It is great to be here with you and um, thankful for the opportunity, the privilege to be able to come and share and uh, had coffee with Pastor Doug this past week and just uh, an opportunity for the two of us to, to meet. Um, I've spoke at our 33 campus a number of times. I've been down at our south campus and this is my first time out here at Lake Country. So uh, it is a privilege to come on out and uh, join with you. I was at uh, our south campus on December the 10th and they had just started a new thing where they were uh, offering Starbucks coffee. And I thought, wow, that may even change my mind about moving from 33 over to the South Campus because I'll have a good cup of coffee. And, and then the seating here, of course, is fantastic. This is way more comfortable than 33. So uh, I have to think through some of my options here when it comes to where I'm going to participate here at Willow Park Church. So, uh, but it was good to just sit down and chat with Pastor Doug. Um, just to catch up and, and to get to know one another a little bit and uh, to begin to build a bit of a relationship, which you're going to see we're going to be talking about this morning. And so uh, he just asked lots of questions about what we do. And um, so we lived here in Kelowna for a few years now, and Willow Park is our home church. And I travel as, for a living about 50% of the time I'm on the road. Uh, if you talk to me, it's about 50%. If you talk to my wife, it's a little over 50%, she'll say. And so it depends on which one of us you communicate with in regards to that. But uh, I travel to churches across Western Canada for a denomination called Associated Gospel Churches. We have about 50 churches from uh, Winnipeg, Manitoba to Victoria, BC. And then as far north, if you got and landed in your plane in um, Edmonton and got in a car and drove seven hours north to Fort Vermilion, we have a church up there, which I don't visit in January. Just choose not to, not that there's anything wrong with those people in January, I'm sure they're lovely in January, but I just don't want to drive seven hours north of Edmonton in January, and so try to hit that place in the spring and the summertime, and, um, but it's a vast region here in Western Canada that we get to cover, and so it is a joy and a privilege for me to serve God in that way. So, um, but it's important for me to feel that Willow Park is my home church, and I was sharing that with Pastor Doug, how important it is for me to be grounded and to have a place that, that I call home and know that my wife is calling home as well, because she obviously is a much more regular attendant than what I am, because I'm away so much of the time. But it's just a, a valuable thing for me personally to know that relationally and rooted and biblically and everything else, I have a home church here in Kelowna, and it's uh, Willow Park Church. And so very, very thankful for that and can't emphasize that enough um, as, uh, as a part of how I go about living my life and what I'm going to do in regards to serving my God while I'm here at home. And so the way in which, as I talked with Pastor Phil a couple years ago and said, Phil, I'm going to be like your best and worst member. Uh, it's because on the one hand, I know what pastoring is all about, and so I'll never give you really any trouble at all. Uh, I'll support you 100% and pray for you. And on the other hand, though, is that uh, I'm not going to be here hardly at all for you to count on. And so on the one hand, I'm not going to give you any trouble. On the other hand, I'm not really going to be much service to you. So then we just began to talk, and he asked whether or not I would be able to cover for them from time to time at our various locations. And so I said, that would be my privilege to be able to serve my home church in that way, in that capacity. And so that is indeed my opportunity here this morning to, to do that. One of the things I mentioned to Pastor Doug as well is that um, coming up in the new year in 2018, uh, at the end of 2018, is that uh, I'll be leading a tour to Israel. And I was talking to Doug about that. And, and so uh, he said, well, I'll just mention that here to the church family. If there's anybody who's ever wondered about going to Israel or traveling to Israel, I've led a number of tours there. Uh, I have a tour guide that I use extensively while I'm in Israel there. And so uh, if you have questions, would like to know more about it, please uh, feel free to talk to me after the service and be glad to give you more information. Um, it really is a trip of a lifetime uh, going there and, and just seeing the land where, of course, our Savior walked and uh, ultimately gave his life and rose again, and just it's an amazing thing. It just opens up your eyes so much from a scriptural standpoint as to what uh, 
our relationship with Jesus Christ is all about. And so um, we'll be doing that in November of 2018 uh, again. And so look forward to that very much. Let me pray for us. And then we're going to uh, turn into our Bibles to the book of Philemon and see what God has in store for us uh, in regards to that this morning. Let's pray first. Heavenly Father, what a, what a privilege it is to be able to come to you relationally. And because of what Jesus Christ has done for us, those of us who would call ourselves followers of Jesus, we get to come into your presence, as we just sang a moment ago, and call you Father. To have a relationship with the Lord God Almighty that is so intimate that you invite us to come regularly and talk to you. And so, Father, I come now and ask for your help as we open up the first seven verses of that small book that Paul wrote to a gentleman called Philemon, dealing with some relational issues that he wanted to address and to help out and see what he could do to bring healing and restoration. And Lord, that you would teach us as we unpack these verses this morning in a way that would open our eyes and touch our hearts and cause our minds to marvel once again at the greatness and awesomeness of our Lord and God. Father, because of Jesus, we come and we say to you, thank you, and we give you our praise and look forward to what you have got in store for us in these moments, for we ask it in Jesus' name, amen and amen. I do trust that you've had some time during the season to uh, spend with family or friends that you enjoy or look forward to being with. Um, during these past few months at uh, 33, one of the ministries that they've had open to us was this thing called uh, Dinner for Six, where uh, they're encouraging people who uh, want to get to know each other more to, to get together. And so because of my travel schedule, uh, the first one didn't work. And so then we got together with uh, the other two couples that we were going to meet with and finally saw them in December. Uh, about the middle of the month, we were able to pick a date that I was going to be in town and people were going to be around. And so the six of us sat down. And for the first time, we were meeting these people we had never met before, even though they're part of the church family there at 33. So as we sat down and you dined, of course, you're just talking and asking questions and getting to know one another. And, and it's a relationship that perhaps is just beginning to be established. And so uh, they were inquisitive about us and our newness to Willow Park. And uh, we are inquisitive about them and their long standing there at the church and, and their relationships there. And in the course of conversation, one of the things that came out was as I asked some questions, was the fact that even though these people had attended for quite some time, they said they didn't really have that many deep relationships in the church. And they said they had one or two uh, friends that they may call that in the sense of a, a deep relationship. Lots of people that they know, lots of people they could have a conversation with in the foyer after the service and stuff, but very few people that they would say they actually had a deep relationship with. And so as we talked about that, I, I, I thought about the fact that as I get the chance to travel throughout Western Canada and, and visit churches and, and talk to boards and talk to pastors and talk to church leaders, that comment that these people just made to us a few weeks ago over dinner is not that uncommon. That we have people who attend church and they would call a particular church wherever they are their home church, 
But as they come and gather on Sunday morning and leave again, that may be really in many ways the extent of their relationships with each other is just whatever transpires there on Sunday morning. As Pastor Doug and I met for coffee recently, I, I was giving him a bit of a, a picture of where I was hoping to go in the message and talking about how you know, this idea of, of finding ways to deepen our relationships with each other, he just confessed that that's the ongoing challenge for all of us as pastors is to move our churches from beyond a collection of individuals to a body of people that actually are connected because of what Jesus Christ has done for us and the work that he's got yet to do both in us and through us. So over these holidays, I've been reading through this short book called Philemon, and I invite you to turn in your Bibles because uh, I want to read through the, the passage and just get a picture of where we're going to go in the message this morning. Now, I'm using a brand new Bible that I just got for Christmas, and so I may fumble my way around because it's not the same Bible I always use. Have you ever had that? Where you got one common Bible that you feel very comfortable with, and all of a sudden you change, and, and all of a sudden I realize that Philemon's not even on the same page where it was in my previous Bible. It's on the wrong side. But uh, I'll get used to it, and you're going to be my guinea pigs to help me work through the passage, and, and we'll see what God has in store for us as we unpack the first seven verses of this guy named Philemon, and this guy, Paul, who writes the letter to Philemon, and he wants to try and deal with a situation that has caused some brokenness in a relationship. And I won't go too much further than we're just going to read the first seven verses and we'll unpack more as we go through. So the letter of Paul to Philemon, starting at verse 1, says, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved fellow worker, and Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and the church in your house. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers, because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have toward the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. Verse 7. For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. Wow, there's just some great stuff in there that I want us to sort of get a, a sense of and what Paul's talking about and why he sort of phrases things the way he does. And so let's just work through the passage verse by verse and see what God's got for us. So first of all, we see in verses 1 and 2 is the relationships. And there's a, a, a many of them. There's a number of them. And so let's just unpack those and see what, what God's got there. So in ver, very first one, verse 1, Paul says, uh, I'm a prisoner for Christ Jesus. So there's a relationship right there. Paul has a relationship with Christ. And he's also writing on behalf of or with his Son in the faith, Timothy, that if you were just to turn back a few pages in your Bible, you'd encounter First and Second Timothy. And Paul had a, a deep relationship with Timothy and trusted him greatly. So there's Paul and Jesus, and then there's Paul and Timothy, and there's Timothy and Jesus as well. So there's a multiplicity of relationships right there in just the opening uh, few verses, for a few comments. And then he says, to Philemon, our beloved fellow worker. So there's a relationship. This isn't an unknown situation. This isn't Paul writing to a, just a, a vast group of churches. This is Paul writing very specifically to a man that he knows. He has a relationship with Philemon. But he doesn't stop there. And he goes on to say, And Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and the church in your house. Now, this was back in the time when they didn't meet in places like this. They actually met in homes by and large. And so there would be another group of relationships there in the home. 
but who are these people? Well, Philemon is obviously the gentleman that Paul is writing to. Um, in the verse, it also talks about um, that there's this woman there named Aphia, and many scholars believe that that's probably Philemon's wife. And so why is she important in it? Well, back in that time, as we're going to see a little bit later, is, is there's this broken relationship between Philemon and this guy named Onesimus, and Aphia, the wife, would have been in charge of the slaves in the home at that point in time. And so she would have had relationship with the slave who left town and the broken relationships there. So Paul, when he's writing to Philemon, he also includes Aphia because he knows she's going to be engaged in the possible restoration of this as well. Now, Paul also identifies himself here as a prisoner of or for Christ Jesus. In other words, Paul's writing from jail. He's imprisoned at this point in time, and he's sending out these notes to other people and other groups dealing with different situations that he's involved with. He wants Philemon to know that he, as a follower of Jesus Christ, has also suffered for Jesus Christ for the sake of the gospel. Why does Paul point that out? Well, again, scholars tell us that Paul would use that as a place of drawing credence to his role and responsibility and what he's about to ask Philemon to do. All of what Paul is unpacking here in the opening comments isn't just trite or trivial. It isn't just sort of a, well, let's get through this before we get to the meat of the subject. This is building a foundation for what Paul is about to do or about to ask from Philemon. As I said, uh, Philemon and Aphia are probably husband and wife. Um, Archippus, they say, is, is possibly either the son of these two, or he's the pastor of the local church where they meet in Philemon's home. So when Paul makes this request, he clearly is making, going to make the request of Philemon, but he's engaging other people in the relationship, both Aphia and Archippus, and he calls Archippus his fellow soldiers, which some scholars tend to believe that probably means that he was the pastor of the church. So very early on, in just a couple of verses, we see so clearly that there's quite a number of relationships involved as Paul just begins to address the issue that he's going to address and unpack what he has to unpack with Philemon. Now, it's the nature of church that there's relationships. Every church has relationships. And most of us are aware that every church, because of relationships, often encounters challenges in those relationships from time to time. So the question then is, how can we do a better job of developing our relationships with each other in whatever local church that we're a part of so that it will assist us as a church in taking steps of being healthy and doing the work that God has obviously called us to do as his family, as the church. So let's look at the next part of the greeting before we answer the question about how this is going to help us become healthier in this process of being a, a healthy church. So we got verses 1 and 2, which is the greeting. Then in verse 3, we've got the blessing that Paul gives to Philemon. So in verse 3, he says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. All right. Let's consider the source of Paul's blessing. He wants them to have two different things that he sort of throws out there in this letter to them. And he says, I want to offer you grace 
and peace. Now, if you read many of Paul's letters at all, you'll see that's not an uncommon greeting at all in various ways and means throughout the different letters that he wrote. And so why would he use these two blessings as part of when he's writing his letter to these people that he's writing to? Well, look at the blessing that he gives. He says, I want you to have grace and peace. And he reminds us that the source is clear when it comes to these two blessings. What do I mean? Well, look what it says. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He draws their attention as he's writing this letter to begin to introduce them, the issue that he's going to address, is he draws their attention right back to the very source of where the blessings come from. Jesus Christ is the only true source of grace and peace. Wow. The reason that Paul, now listen to this because this is important again, I think, to understand the whole idea of, of the relationships that are all encompassed in here, is the reason that Paul can take these two things, grace and peace, and offer them to Philemon is because of not his religious knowledge, not because of his skill set as a leader, not because of even the fact that he's a prisoner for the gospel and wherever he's at, but rather it's because of his relationship to the very person and source of grace and peace, Jesus Christ. Out of that relationship, Paul says to them, I want to offer you these two blessings. I want to bless you with grace and peace. Paul isn't offering these out of himself. This combination is a common one for Paul, but I don't believe that it ever lost its impact in Paul's life. Paul understood where that came from, from the sense of this idea of grace and truth. If you've got your Bibles, turn back to 2 Corinthians. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, Paul writing to another, a different group of people, obviously, with a whole lot of other problems and issues that they had. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, just a reminder of where this idea of grace comes from, Paul writes to the church there, and he says in verse 9 of 2 Corinthians verse, chapter 8, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he, Jesus, was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. And Paul reminds the Corinthians, and by extension here then, and obviously in, in Philemon verse 3, the reminder to us that the way in which we have grace is because of Jesus Christ. I don't get grace because of how well I live my life. I don't get grace because I'm a good person. I don't get grace because of a level of education that I may or may not have ever received. I get grace because it's relational and it's connected directly to Jesus Christ. Paul was well aware that he, like you and I, was never able to save himself. It was by an act of grace from Jesus Christ, wasn't it? It was his grace that opened our eyes to see our need for a savior. And the other interesting aspect of this is that the truth that follows right after grace, as Paul shares to, the, to, his, friends, to his friend Philemon, he's grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Peace follows grace. We get this gift from God. 
he opens my eyes to the realization that I need a savior. And then what happens as a, rela- as a result of me having a relationship with Jesus Christ is that now I am actually at peace with God. Wow. Nothing I could do to attain that. It was simply a gift of grace. And one of the net results of God giving me that grace was that I now am at peace with my Heavenly Father. I couldn't earn it. I couldn't be good enough long enough to deserve it. It's a gift. This past summer, um, I was golfing here in town, and uh, it's one of my great joys of summertime, which is hard to think of when I look outside today, um, that it will ever get to that again, but I know that it will. And so uh, I was golfing with a a friend of mine who was from Saskatoon, a businessman who was traveling and and was out here and wanted to go golfing. And and he wanted to go golfing with one of his friends who uh, doesn't know Jesus Christ. And so uh, I said, this would be great. And so we were out there and we're uh, golfing away for the few hours that we were together. And and as part of the conversation, my friend Tom, who's not at least at all afraid to bring up his faith, he's he's an excellent um, evangelist in many ways. And so he brings it up as we're on the golf course. And so his friend... um, who I'm just meeting and don't know that well. I've met him once before and we're golfing together. He, uh, he's not a, a big idea. He doesn't picture this idea that there's a God. And so we have this conversation off and on over the process of golfing. And so finally, you know, I, I asked him the question. I said, well, what would happen if you were wrong and there actually is a God? And he says, well, he said, I feel like I got the bases covered. I said, well, how's that? And he said, well, um, he said, look at it this way. You know, he said, you look at it from a grading system of, of 1 to 10. And he says, I feel like I'm about a 6 or a 7 when it comes to being a good man. And I said, that's fascinating. And I said, so what's the number that you need to have in case there is a God and you need to be good enough to get into heaven? He said, well, I think we're probably really cutting it close. And he says, between 6 and 7. He says, I, said, I lean more towards being a 7 when it comes to being a good man. And I said, so... If you were a five, he says, nah, he says, if there's a God, I don't think I'm getting in at five. I said, oh. I said, but you'll get in at seven. He says, yeah, he said, I think he's going to look at me and say, you know, you've been pretty good. You're going to come into heaven. And I thought, totally misses the point that it's about grace. You can't be good enough long enough to earn your way to get into heaven. He thought he was covering his bases, doesn't really believe, but just in case he wants to be a pretty good guy, in case God decides that that's the way you're going to get in. I thought, man, that'd be a rough way to try and live life, to be good enough long enough so that God would look at you and say, you're a seven, and so you get in. It's a gift. Jesus Christ paid that price in in the most amazing way. And one of the net results, verse 3 reminds us that as soon as I've understood that I have this relationship with Jesus Christ, and and in his grace, he's opened my eyes that uh, my sins can be forgiven, and I can ask him to take away my sin, and I can have a relationship with him, not because of how good I am, but because of his grace to me. One of the net results of that very quickly is that I'm at peace with God. That's amazing to think through what God has done for us. So the prayer, verses 4 through to 6. Let's open our eyes and see what Paul's saying to Philemon here. So verses 1 through to 3 are the greetings and the, and the blessings. And then in verse 4, Paul talks to Philemon. And he says, Philemon, I want you to know that I always thank God when I remember you in my prayers. 
Let me just remind us here this morning that prayer is fundamentally a relational activity. It's kind of obvious, but let's pull apart verse 4. Paul identifies his relationship with God and his relationship with Philemon in his prayer. And so he says, like, Philemon, I want you to know that when I talk to God, that's a relationship, I actually talk about you, the relationship that I have with you. So prayer in its very nature is incredibly relational. It's not about performing a duty. It's not about checking off a list of things that need to be done this day, religiously speaking. It's about understanding that I have this heavenly father who engages my life in such a way that he's constantly drawing close to me and opening up my eyes and wanting me to hear, which so often I miss because of the busyness of life. But he wants me to come back and engage him in conversation that we would call prayer. And Paul says to Philemon, Philemon, when I think of you and the relationship that we have with each other, I thank God because of our relationship. As a church family, we're about to, again, enter into our 21 days of prayer in the month of January. I love that that's a focus at Willow every year. The reminder to call us as church families back to this fundamental need that we have to engage God in relationship. This year, as we embrace this activity, may I suggest that we all think of prayer in its most relational aspect. May I encourage us to engage this not as simply a a church-wide religious activity or a function that is part of the ministry of our churches, but rather to embrace it as an opportunity to deepen the relationship that we have individually as well as corporately with Jesus Christ. To say, God, I want to grow in my relationship with you. And so during these 21 days of prayer, I want you to reveal yourself to me in new and different ways that I haven't seen before. Our series, preaching-wise, in the month of January is going to be from the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6. As Pastor Doug will unpack this great model prayer that we have for us, I encourage you to frame that prayer from the understanding of relationship that you and I have with Jesus Christ. And so every line or every message that you hear in regards to the Lord's Prayer, I want you to continue to think about it in terms of its relational capacity for you and I. That it's not about being religiously correct or doing the duty or anything else, but rather it's about saying, I love my Savior so much that I want to know him better. I want to deepen my walk with him. Prayer is an exercise of relational concern for each other. That goes back to that idea of how can we be a healthier church? How can we grow in our our, our church-wide understanding of what God's got for us? Well, Paul thanks God for Philemon, but he doesn't stop there. He says, when I remember you in my prayers, well, isn't that just a great picture all by itself that Paul says, when I remember you in my prayers, in other words, he's thinking about Philemon when he prays. Are you and I thinking about each other when we pray? Are we remembering the different challenges that we may have 
in our own situations. And so I think of my friends, my brothers, my sisters, the other families of my church family, and I think, you know what? I need to bring that before God. As I'm thinking about them, I want to bring their names before my Heavenly Father. I have a friend who every Tuesday emails me with just one line. And his email simply says, Russ, how can I pray for you this week? That's it. We don't live in the same town. We don't see each other very often. But every single week, I know that my friend Paul is bringing my name and my family and whatever things that I ask him to bring, he's bringing them before our Heavenly Father. I think that's just an amazing ministry that he has in my life. That week after week after week, he brings me before God in prayer. So look what Paul says when he talks about Philemon, verse 5. Because I hear of your love, Philemon, and of the faith that you have toward the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. Philemon, I'm hearing words spread about you, and I'm bringing this before God, and I'm thanking him for what you're doing. One of the reasons that we pray is because we are blessed with many relationships that can give us even some ammunition, if you will, to think of in terms of what we should be praying about. And one of the best ways that I can show care and concern for my relationships is by praying for the people. As a church family, one of the primary ways that we actually exercise care for each other is by bringing our names before our Father in heaven. Prayer is an exercise in our spiritual growth. Look what Paul goes on to say in verse 6. He says, and I pray, now remember, this is the relational activity that Paul's engaged in on behalf of Philemon. He says, and I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. You know, as, as I pondered that and as I worked on that and thought through that and, and studied about it and stuff, it was amazing to me about how Paul says that I, I want to pray for you that in the sharing of your faith, so in other words, there's this evangelistic sense of it that Paul says, I'm praying for on behalf of you, Philemon, that you have opportunity to share your faith, but you'll share this out of your understanding of your relationship with Christ. So I'm not a natural evangelist by any stretch of the imagination. And so when I thought about that and thinking about how that is relationally impactful, it's the understanding that, God, I want you to open doors for me to be able to be more active in sharing my faith because as I do that, I see that my relationship with you actually grows deeper because I'm actually more in awe of what I have in Jesus Christ as I have opportunity to share him with others. What a great thing that God would open up doors of opportunity for you and I to take our faith out into the streets, the, the neighborhoods, the workplaces, the families that we have. And because of that, what that would do is simply deepen my relationship with Jesus Christ. I also find it very convicting. How many of my unsaved friends am I actually praying for? That man that I golfed with this past summer I've thought about them from time to time, but I need to keep coming back to those kinds of experiences and those relationships. Say, okay, God, uh, obviously this man doesn't know you. I want to pray for him, that his eyes would be open. I, I want to have another opportunity to meet with him and to live Christ and to share Christ with him. The depth of my walk with God 
is connected to these truths. The deeper I walk with him, the more aware I am of the blessing of my own relationship with Jesus Christ. You show me a follower of Jesus Christ who is not praying, and I'll show you a follower of Jesus Christ who is probably not growing. You show me a follower of Jesus Christ who is passionately, regularly praying, and I'll show you a follower of Jesus Christ who is deepening their roots in their relationship with our Father and our Savior, Jesus Christ. They just are connected. They just are. Paul shows it to us. Now, as we wrap this up, I want to leave verse 7 with you. Because this is the verse that I've spent so much time reflecting on and meditating on. And so in verse 7, we see here that there's this testimony or this, this lifelong impact that Philemon is having. And so Paul, talking about Philemon, he says, For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, Philemon, from my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. Philemon's impact upon Paul is based on a relationship. Paul knew Philemon. He wasn't writing to a stranger. He was a guy that had been impactful in his life. He was about to ask him for something quite significant because he's going to ask him to take back a slave that had run away and had, been, had become useless to him, had actually in many ways broken the law and had done things wrong. And there was some truth in the idea and the picture in the, later on in the letter that the slave had stole money from Philemon. Paul's going to ask a big ask of Philemon. And so as he begins to unpack this, he says to him, Philemon, I want you to know that you have been a source of joy to me personally, and you have been a blessing to me. How often have you and I shared that over the recent past? That we've looked at somebody and said, you know what, I I just want you to know something. You have been a blessing to me. As I was preparing this over the last few weeks, I was convicted of that, and so I sent off a, a number of different emails to friends saying to them, I'm thankful for our relationship. You have been a blessing to me. It's impactful how that comes back and people respond and how maybe just at that point in time was when they needed to hear something positive in the midst of some of the struggles that they are going through in their own lives that I may not even be aware of. We can bring joy to those we don't know simply by the way we conduct ourselves in their presence, but... The real challenge is to bring joy to those that we do know and who know us best. Are you a joy bringer? When people think of you, do they think through the process that, man, I'm always glad to encounter you because you are a blessing when we meet. Philemon simply by the way in which he lived his life, left behind himself a trail of blessing as he's encountered people in his life. Paul says at the end of verse 7, he says, Philemon, you have refreshed the hearts of the saints. Wow. As I thought about that, I thought, when the end of my days come and my family and friends gather, If that little phrase would simply be the tribute that would be left behind, 
that they would say of me, you have refreshed our hearts. I think I will have lived life well within God's kingdom. That Philemon 1 verse 7 would become the testimony of my life. In fact, it started to be a prayer and a specific intention of my heart that when people encounter me, that they would walk away from that encounter, however brief, refreshed. And thankful that our paths had crossed, whether it was a short period of time or a longer period of time. We spent a couple of days over Christmas, went back to Saskatoon where I had last pastored and where we have a son and a daughter and a young family still living there. They attend the church that I had formerly pastored still in Saskatoon. And so we knew that by going back on the 24th that we would be attending church there in the morning and we'd come to the Christmas Eve service. And, and so there was going to be many different people that we were going to meet during these days or these, uh, that one day of being together in the morning and the evening at the church. There was one man in particular and his wife that I was hoping to encounter. His name is Benno. Benno's in his 80s and was uh, uh, never on a board, never on any kind of leadership team at the church when I pastored there over the years that I was the pastor. But every single time that I would meet Benno, whether it was in the grocery store, whether it was in the mall, whether it was in the church foyer, every single time, and I can say that without any exaggeration whatsoever, every single time, Benno was a blessing to me. And so when I walked through those church doors on that Sunday morning, one of the first people that I saw was Benno, and he came over to me as quickly as he can in his mid-80s, and we greeted each other, and I said, Benno, it is so glad to see you. He said, I didn't know you would be here. And I said, yeah, I know, but I'm glad that I saw you. And he said he was glad to see me, and we talked for a few moments. Christmas Eve service, his wife wasn't with him in the morning, and so when I saw them on Christmas Eve, Clara came over and she grabbed a hold of my hand and took both of her hands and put my hand into her two hands. And she said, Pastor Russ, it is so good to see you. And then she lowered her voice and she whispered and she said, I really miss you. And I said, Clara, I feel the same way about you. But I thought, as Paul talked about Philemon, I thought, as I walked away from them and went into that Christmas Eve service, they are Philemon-like people in my life because they have refreshed my heart each and every time that I have encountered them. What about you? As we turn the page and go into 2018, will you make it a desire out of your heart from this passage in Philemon verses 1 through to 7 and verse 7 in particular that it would be your intention and your prayer and your heart's desire that as you encounter God's people over the coming days, weeks, months, and year, that you would be a refresher of the people that you come in contact with and that God would bless your life with his grace and peace for how you're conducting yourself in light of these verses. May God bless you in these coming days. Michaela, back to you.